Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 45 of Season 4 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we take a hilarious and poignant journey through the 1989 Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan rom-com with Aaron and Sally, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today to finish off the week is Dr. Jess Rogers. Welcome back to the show, Jess. Thanks, Rob. It's great to be here. Yes, it is. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> it is. Yes. I'm having a blast. Hopefully you've been enjoying this week also. And and it's been a good week. And more importantly, hopefully all of our listeners are enjoying it too. <laughs> yes. Let's hope. So minute forty-five begins with Jess getting back into the batter's box and ends with Sally playing with her food. So yesterday we 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 ended things. You know, Harry and Jess started having their conversation in the batting cage. And Harry is now explaining why it's so freeing and so much so enjoyable for him to have a friend like um, like Sally, and why it's important for yeah. him to do so. And Jess doesn't seem to understand it. You know, it doesn't doesn't make any sense to him as to what what Harry feels is missing in his you know in his life that he needs this. Right. Uh, so Harry then tries to explain it a little bit more. So he he ended yesterday's minute by saying, I can say anything to her. And then he continues with just saying, are you saying you can say things to her that you can't say to me? So I, I think he sounds a little offended by that. You know? Yeah, I think he is. Like friends competition. Yeah, exactly. He's both he's jealous, offended. You know, at this point, Harry responds in a calm way and says, no, it's just different. It's a whole different perspective. I get the women's point of view on things. She tells me about the men that she goes out with and I can talk to her about the women that I see. And then Jess is completely thrown off by this and goes, you tell her about other women? <laughs> like, he says it in a way, like, how dare you do something like that? You know? <laughs> it's just... I mean, I, I, I actually buy Harry's explanation of the whole thing. Yeah. But, you know, Jess just doesn't just just doesn't get it. You know, like why? Yeah. You know, it's it's ironic. I mean, we'll never know this, but, you know, in 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 uh, two weeks from now. So Jess will meet Marie and, you know, his life will be changed. Right. The question is, how does Jess feel at that point about, you know, uh, actually, it, it, Marie's not his friend that he talks about about dating other women. So, OK, doesn't really fit into that. But, you know, but he does have a female confidant to talk about everything. Yeah. Yeah. No. But not other women. No. That wouldn't work yeah. for well, Justin Murray. Who knows? We, we never know if Marie, when she broke up with Arthur. True. You know, she might Fair. still be going out with That's Arthur. That's true. You know, and Jess just doesn't know because he's eventually going to leave his wife. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> right. And then Harry <laughs> responds and says, yeah, like the other night. I made love to this woman, and it was so incredible. I took her to a place that wasn't human. She actually meowed. Now, I have a problem with the way that he's saying this line. I mean, the first thing is he's, he's it's very self-centered, you know, because he says, I took her to a place. Yes. You know, I'm completely. the manly man, and I'm the one who's able yeah. to do things and, and stuff like that. Now, this is something that you would think that he would be bragging to Jess about. Sure. If, if he's going to brag, then... You know, why didn't he pick up the phone a few days ago and tell this to Jess? Why does he have to wait until he's in the batting cage? It already is showing yeah. that Harry's relationship with Jess is changing because of Harry's relationship with Sally. 
you know, he's he's letting Sally yeah. into things uh, about his life, and at the same time, he doesn't feel the necessity to inform Jess about these things. Which, 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 yeah, yeah which it's, it's odd, odd because it's not a relationship. If like, like I can say that myself, okay, there are things that I will say to my wife. Then you know that when I was single. I would have said to a friend instead. Okay. But now that I'm married, so I'll yeah. say to her, and then I don't feel the need to have to say it to anybody else. But Harry and Sally are not in that right. situation even remotely because, or they might be, but they're just kidding themselves that they're not, you know, there's, you know, as far as they're concerned, you know, the conversations and stuff like that is the just best friends. And once Harry tells her something, yeah. he doesn't feel the need to say it to, to Jess. It's unless he's saying it right now to try and justify himself on the one hand and second to boast, you know, which he's, which he's doing because he can't boast to Sally about it if that's what he's looking to do. Right. He, but he clearly told Sally this same story and yeah. right. I can say these things to her and it's like, yeah, exactly. I'm not sure you should, right? Like there's an element of that, that it's definitely hurting in some ways Harry's relationship with Jess, that he's now telling these kinds mm -hmm. of things, like you're saying, not to Jess, but to Sally. And so, I mean, you can sort of see it the reverse way. If Harry and Sally were a married couple and there were secrets that he was telling Jess and not Sally, Correct. that would disrupt his married right. relationship as well. Exactly. Different kinds of secrets or comments right. that you're getting but since in different but places. But since they're not in a relationship... But that's why it's interesting. It, I know, think, and again, this is something that's just a few weeks right. old. Yes. You know, this isn't, it isn't like it's six months later or anything like that. I mean, yes. we get to the point Not, where, where, you know, they're, they're talking, right. They're, they're together for like a year and stuff like that. I mean, that's, you know, we'll, we'll get there and we'll see how things change at that point also. Right. But, but this is, you know, a, a budding friendship between Harry and Sally. Yeah. And I think the first comment that Jess makes is the real telling version that yeah. he does think that this is a competition of sorts. Yeah, like I was your best friend. Why, why are you telling Sally, you know, this, this information? This is something right. you're supposed to tell me. You know, but 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 again, Harry does give a justifiable right. explanation that that you know when he says it to Sally, Sally will give a female yeah. pr perspective on things. I don't know what type of female perspective she's going to give on the little story that he right. just told. You know? <laughs> right. Although we get a little glimpse of it at the a end of bit. this. Minute. No, but, yeah. but of him telling, you know, like if he would have said to Sally, I made a woman meow and Sally would have just said, okay. So yeah. You know, like, <laughs> right. She wouldn't be as impressed <laughs> as Jess is. Well, Jess is impressed. <laughs> no, you know, you're right. You know, Jess, Jess is impressed. He's completely he's distractedly distracted. impressed. <laughs> He he turns yes. to you know after he he, he turns to, to to Harry and says, "You made a woman meow," <laughs> and he's that's it. He's no yeah. longer in the batting cage. He's like right. The bat the balls are flying by. Yes, we, we he's see, just not paying attention. Right over the course of the rest of this minute, we see at least two more, if not the more than that, balls that 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 just go right by. Yeah. Him. He's he's not paying attention anymore. He's thinking, how did Harry make this woman meow? Yes, that's all he's thinking. Yeah. Then Harry responds to him and says, Yeah, that's the point. I can say these things to her. And the great thing is I don't have to lie because I'm not always thinking about how to get her into bed. Which 
gives us a lot of insight into Harry's way of thinking. Yeah. In order to get anyone to bed, he's just going to have to lie to them. Right. That he's thinking about ways to not be himself. Sure. Right. And he then, says, I can, then he says I can just be myself. That's right. You know, which, yeah. Which, which also is, is very telling about Harry. Harry is looking, you know, just he's looking for ways to not be himself. Yeah. And in all the different ways to not be himself that would entice someone to go to bed with him. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I mean, it's it, it's interesting because he's saying that that it's it's ironic because he says that he's not being himself, but he actually is being himself because this is the Harry Burns that he has created. Right. That you need to lie to every woman. You know, that is who he he is now. Right. Or, or or maybe he's trying to say that that's not who he is because deep down he he doesn't act that way. But if he, I don't know. I don't know. I I think he needs to go to a shrink. I think we're seeing a lot of Harry is kind of a pig. Like, yes. Yeah. But he's willing to admit it, at least, especially to his friend Jess. And one of the things he values about his friendship with Sally is that he doesn't have to think up lies. He doesn't have to go in these, go with subterfuge to try to trick her, is what it sounds like, into going to bed with him. So, yeah. Right. Then I I, I like it. I like the way that it goes. Yeah, the way that they do that here, and and Jess is still mesmerized, and as the scene is ending, he says once again, "You made a woman meow." Yeah, I know. He's just <laughs> incredulous. He's just that's all he heard from that whole conversation. That's right. Yeah. I, I I didn't hear anything else. I'm I'm a writer. I know dialogue, but you know, right. <laughs> you mentioned you mentioned a woman meowing, and okay, now I'm now I'm curious. Yeah, you know, true and the scene changes and we are in a a, a diner deli mm-hmm. the, the the first of all they do a great job of of having the camera pan across the various tables of people mm-hmm. you know and we see all these different things that are that are happening around them you can we can see an older couple that are sitting at a table and they're both uh, drinking dr brown soda mm-hmm. one has a uh, you know cream Dr. Brown's and the other's a black cherry. I know those cans, which is why I did <laughs> I didn't have to try to, to zoom in and figure out what they are. Right. Are, are you familiar with Dr. Brown's? I am. I've had them. Do, do you know when Dr. Brown's uh, became uh, when when they started it? I don't. I don't know enough. I don't know anything about it actually. I've had them, but I don't know them. Okay, so Dr. Brown's is a soft drink brand that was uh, made by Jane R. Bottling. It is very popular in New York and in South Florida. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Uh, but you can find it. You can also find it in many uh, Jewish delicatessens. Sure. Which this uh, you is. can even find it in Israel. Uh, you can find it in Israel. I, I buy it. I have in oh, my wow. in my fridge two cans of Dr. Brown's Israel. No way. That, that, that I love. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love drinking Dr. Brown's. Cool. Basically, the slogans for the products are imported from the old neighborhood or taste of the town. It was created in 1869. Whoa. And yeah. In New York? <laughs> In New York, mostly in Jewish neighborhoods. Sure. One of the flavors that they have is called celery, which I never liked. It was really gross. <laughs> okay. From my my perspective, and it basically they use celery seeds and sugar. Yeah. And they they created a celery tonic that was known as celery. Okay. Which was known as the pure beverage for the nerves. <laughs> <laughs> 
sold by Dr. Brown. It's got to be true. Yeah, but they, they claim that there really is no person named Dr. Brown. Oh, really? It was just a marketing invention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, before Coca-Cola was certified kosher in, 19, in the 1930s, so Jews would only drink the Dr. Browns. Oh, wow. I was going to ask if it was kosher. And that's why. Well, I said I have it in my fridge, so therefore it must be kosher. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Actually, you don't know that I only eat, I only keep kosher. So I didn't. Yes. yes no. Uh, okay. Now you know. Now you know. And there are six uh, Dr. Brown's flavors that are packaged in New York. Since 2014, it's been uh, produced by Pepsi. Okay. So the the brands they, the the flavors they have are. Cream soda, black cherry, orange soda, ginger ale, root beer, celery. They used to have cola, grape, lemon, and and club soda. Okay. And they're they're mostly sold in twelve ounce cans. Now in the movie we we see can see a sign in the back that says it's eighty cents for a Dr. Brown soda. That's cool. Uh, It costs a little more than eighty cents today. (laughs) (laughs) I would expect so. Yeah. First of all, if you want with inflation, the eighty cents is now worth two dollars and six cents. In 2023. Whoa, really? Yes. I mean, again, this is 1988. So, you know, 30, 35 years, you know, for to to bump up uh, almost three times as uh, as expensive. (laughs) I don't know exactly how much it costs now, but but it's definitely around that price. They are actually in Katz's Delicatessen, which is also known as Katz's of New York City, which is a kosher style delicatessen located on Houston streets. Houston. Houston, sorry. The, in the corner it's spelled of, the exact same. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. The corner of Houston and Ludlow in the Lower East Side. Yep. It is a kosher style delicatessen. It is not a kosher delicatessen. No. Each week they serve 15,000 pounds of pastrami, 8,000 yep. pounds of corned beef, 2,000 pounds of salami, 4,000 hot dogs. In 2016, it got a food rating of 4.5 out of 5 by Zagat. Zagat. I don't know how that's pronounced. Um, and Zagat. it was Zagat, okay. It was ranked as the number one deli in New York. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. It is. Yeah. Do you know when the delicatessen was opened? I don't. In 1903. Whoa, that is much older than I would have expected. Yes. I mean, the, the name changed a little bit over over time. Sure. Because it was it was first a, known as the Iceland Brothers, then Iceland and Katz, and then they changed it to Katz's Deli. Yep. It, it only moved to Houston Street in, in the 1930s, uh, where it's still in the same place that it's uh, been. That's what I was just going to wonder, if it had been affected by the pandemic and had any issues. But I do remember seeing it when I was there in the spring, because my yep. friends lived down the street. Mm-hmm. Now they, they now we can see a sign as it's panning through the room. We see a sign for something that says "Send a salami to your boy in the army." Did you notice that by chance? No, I didn't. Oh yeah, it's I see um, it now. Yes. Send a salami so, to your boy in um, the army. Yes. So I noticed it and I did a quick search for that also. So during World War II, the sons of both the owners, Lenny Katz and Izzy Tarowski, uh, they were both serving in the armed forces, and the family tradition of sending food to their sons became established. As the company slogan, send a salami to your boy in the army. The slogan was coined by Izzy's mother, whose son served in the South Pacific as a bomber pilot. Wow. So I I just find it really interesting that they still have that sign, at least in 1988. They still have the sign there. I I don't know if it's still there today. My assumption is it it is. Yeah, probably. They opened a second location in 2017 in the City Point uh, DeKalb Market Hall in downtown Brooklyn. Yeah. So, yeah. It's uh very very interesting. Now the 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 phrase "send a salami to your to your boy in the army" is part of the lyrics of a song. So basically, the the song was used in the 
Dean Martin and, and Jerry Lewis movie in 1950 known as At War with oh, the wow. Army. And yeah, and you have uh, Tom, you, you're familiar with Tom Lehrer? Yeah, the news person? No, 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 no. Tom Lehrer was a, he did satirical songs so no. <laughs> in, in the 60s. Like poisoning pigeons in the park. No, and the uh, element song. Oh, there's there's some great songs. I I used to love listening to Tumblr <laughs> stuff. And so he has a song called "So Long, Mom," and it says, "Remember, mommy, I'm off to get a commie, so send me a salami and try to smile somehow." Wow. So that 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 makes yeah. sense there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they actually now have special international shipping for U.S. military addresses. Oh only. wow. And they've, people have sent gift packages to troops that were stationed in Afghanistan and Iraq, you know, directly mm-hmm. from there. And they, the catchphrase of the deli is catches. That's yep. all. <laughs> it's on the napkins. Obviously, this, this movie has made Delhi uh, a yes, landmark. for sure. <laughs> in, in addition, the, the movie Donnie Brasco has a scene that takes place mm. in Delhi. In the movie Across the Universe, yeah, there's a scene that takes place there where one of the characters mentions the fact that he's been drafted into yep. Vietnam. Appears in the movie We Own the Night with Joaquin Phoenix, Mark Wahlberg from 2007. One of the movies is it in. It, there, there's a documentary about it called Delhi Aww. Man. It's also featured in the Edward Burns movie from 2004 called Looking for Kitty. Film Contract on Cherry Street, about uh, someone trying to put out a contract on Frank Sinatra's character in the (laughs) movie, took place in Katz's. And uh, in the movie Enchanted, yeah, uh, he, one of the characters uh, goes into the kitchen at Katz's uh, in order to, you know, get in in touch with uh, Queen Nerissa, Susan Sarandon. (laughs) Well, that's funny. I'd forgotten that was Katz's. Yeah. The movie makes it look a lot bigger <laughs> than the deli actually is. It's really narrow, but it does have a very long counter. Um, it's right on the corner of the oh, wow. street, too, so you can see into a lot of it. Oh, wow. That, that's really cool. So we continue with the panning, and then we get to the shot of uh, Harry and Sally actually sitting at a table in the deli, yeah. um, having having presumably lunch. That, that's what mm-hmm. I would think. And the two of them have their sandwiches already in front of them. And the waiter comes over, which I, I, I wonder if this is like cats himself or <laughs> something like that. You know, yeah. the owner who's coming over and, and giving them, and he, he, he like brings, brings them what looks like two little salads. Yeah. Little things of potato salad or something. Or something. Like that. Harry's already eating, mm-hmm. but Sally just has her plate in front of oh. her. And she does something really, really strange as they're talking. I don't know if you yeah. noticed it, but she like, Starts picking picking yep. apart her sandwich. She takes like the top piece of bread off, and then with her hands moves each piece of the deli from one side yep. to the other. I I don't know what she's trying to do. Maybe on Monday we'll be able to figure out exactly what it is <laughs> she's trying to do here. I think she's making a smaller sandwich. Like the sandwiches from Katz's are like four inches thick, full of meat and stuff. And so maybe she just wants it exactly like she wants it. Okay, but she still puts five pieces of, of turkey roll onto her yes, bread. Yes, she you definitely know. does. So again, if you're saying that it's a large uh, sandwich and it usually is 10 pieces of, of you know, and now it's only right. five, okay, so I can understand that also. So their conversation <laughs> is is very interesting. You know, it's, it's great having yeah. this conversation right after the conversation with Jess. You know, it goes back yeah. to what you were talking about yesterday, that, you know, if you were to switch the conversations as to who's speaking to whom, you know, in which place. So this is basically giving us an opportunity to see 
Harry and Sally actually talking about Harry's piggish, mm-hmm. you know, relationship persona, I guess right. you can say. And yeah. Right. So what she, and again, it picks up in the middle of a conversation, which again is great. Yep. And Sally goes, so what do you do with these women? You just get out of bed and leave? And Harry goes, sure. <laughs> well, explain to me how you do it. What do you say? I just say I have an early meeting, early haircut, early squash game. But you don't play squash. They don't know that. They just met me. That's disgusting. I know. I feel terrible. (laughs) You know, I'm so glad I never got involved with you. I just would have ended being some woman. You had to get up and out of bed and leave. And then it gets cut off. We'll have to find out what, why he's leaving on Monday. But yeah, but it's very telling. I mean, do you think he's being sincere when he says, I, I feel, uh, you know, I feel terrible about it? I don't think so. No, I think the tone of his voice is very much like, yeah, I feel terrible yeah. getting out of bed after just having had sex. Correct. And not sticking around, you know, not, not saying, because right. I have to get an early haircut. I have to get a, you know, I have a squash right. game. I have an early meeting. You know, he, he knows his excuses very well. <laughs> yeah. And Sally, I like that Sally's saying, She's willing to say that's disgusting. Not that we are not friends. I disown you for this disgusting behavior. Just I'm telling you, this is disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's not judging him, but she's actually, she's still pointing it out to him, which again is what a friend should be doing. Right. You know, a friend should be telling you, okay, I don't necessarily agree with what you're doing. You can do it. That's fine. Right. But here's my perspective on it as to why you shouldn't be doing it. Yeah, exactly. It's a very honest back and forth. Yes. Definitely. Which is why Harry was sort of asking for. He's on the one hand, he's asking for it, but she's the one who brings up the conversation here. So do you think that she's, yeah, she, cause she's trying to understand, you know, what's going through his mind and why he's, why he does this, you know, what make right. Harry tick that he constantly wants to do this, you know, that he wants to, to find excuses each time. Right. And I think there's a little bit of Sally that's sort of like, testing back to her memory of her dates where she slept with someone like, Oh, are all guys doing this? Has someone done this to me? Like, Oh, wow. This is just a thing maybe guys do. And it's just a little different. Like she's sort of getting this glimpse into guy behavior instead of how her version of what normal. Uh, You have anything else you want to say before we get into the uh, script? No. I'm all, set. all right. So the, the script is is pretty pretty close. There's just a few little things that that I liked it that in the script itself it has uh, direction where you know it, t- it talks about that each of them is taking bites of their sandwich as they're talking. You know, like it'll say Sally yeah. says, "Explain to me how you do it." What do you say? And then it says she takes a bite of the sandwich, and then Harry says, "I know. I feel terrible." Takes a bite of the sandwich. You know things like that to to help like to help accentuate, you know, the fact that you know that they're they're still in the middle of this conversation, but you know Harry doesn't care. You know when he says, "I know, I feel terrible," it it's even worse if he's taking a bite of the sandwich at the same time. It shows his insincerity. Right. And I like that they changed a little bit of that direction to Sally being her neurotic self of reorganizing the sandwich to be exactly what Correct. she wants. So she doesn't take a bite until next right. week but um it's part of her like performance right. of making mm-hmm. a meal completely so it, it works and it's really yeah. nice it accentuates 
and how they do each thing. Correct. So every Friday we have a segment called Weekend Romance, where my guests will give their top five romantic comedy films. So Jess, what have you got for us? Start with your number five and work your way up. So there's no like super version of justifying these in the sense that not all rom-coms are even good sure. movies. It's just about whether the individual one sort of works sure. for you. Um, so my number five is Just Right with Queen Latifah in common. And he's a basketball player and she's a physical therapist who has to help him get over his injury. And there's a lot of the, oh, why would a guy like him fall for a girl like me kind of dynamic. But then, of course, they overcome because she's Queen Latifah and right. it's awesome. And they're very sweet and they have really good chemistry, which is basically the <laughs> premise yes. of most of these. Um, <clears throat> number four is Always Be My Maybe with Ali Wong and Randall Park. Um, it can't, I think it was a straight to Netflix movie. Um, a couple of years ago. Uh, actually, in terms of my other podcasting work, I actually did a stint talking about Always Be My Maybe on Cinema Access, um, Courtney Small's podcast. So if you want to hear more about me talking about Always Be My Maybe, it exists cool. somewhere. Just thought of that. Um, basically, she and he dated in high school, but then he went on to stay at home and not do much big with his life and she went on to become this famous chef and do all these things and they get back together and realize oh maybe there was a reason we started out together <laughs> in the first place um number three i think it's a good rom-com on its own but it's like accentuated by taking place around um christmas and new year's and hanukkah all of which come into play mm -hmm. in the movie um called holiday with the two couples so you've got Jude Law and um, Cameron Diaz and then Kate Winslet and Jack Black and they're in different places and it's got the dynamics of a holiday it's got the dynamics of being on vacation in different places and I love Kate Winslet's dynamic with Eli Wallach as this like Hollywood writer from the 30s and 40 early Hollywood the golden age and getting to know them they're just nice dynamics with all of them and they kind of make a cool play on it. Um, they make Hanukkah fettuccine, <laughs> they have Christmas celebration decorations, they have New Year's Day parties. So it's a little bit of everything going on. Um, my number two is Notting Hill because realistically I'm always just a girl standing in front of a boy and I love, I love that movie. I've loved it since it came out when I was in college and it's, I don't know, I've never found anything. And Reese Davis, as, I think this is his last name, um, as the roommate. Completely off the wall. <laughs> idiot all the time. Well, all the time. Every time he's smoking with the um, goggles on and the smoke just fills the goggles, I lose it. It's the <laughs> stupidest little moment, but it's this off thing in the whole movie. And then my number one is and always will be 10 Things I Hate About You. Um, the play on the Taming of the Shrew for Shakespeare, but set in a high school. And it knows what it's doing, trying to play on Shakespeare. But it's just really um, And it's another movie that my partner and I quote fairly regularly. So the idea that can you ever just be whelmed <laughs> instead of overwhelmed or underwhelmed? Just wow. So it comes up. So that's, that's great. Okay. Thank you very much for that. So 
Um, do you want to tell people once again how they can get in touch with you? Um, well, apparently they can find me talking about a rom-com at Cinema Access and on Twitter, in underscore entertain. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You can find me on Facebook, find me on Twitter, or you can go directly to my website, movierobminute.com. So Jess, thank you very much for, for joining me this week. This, is, this has been a very fun week. I've enjoyed myself. Hopefully you have too. Yes, I can't wait to listen to the rest of the minutes about this movie. I've got to tune in. All right. There you go. There you go. You, you, might as, you might as well just jump right in yeah. and do that. <laughs> awesome. Uh, great. Everyone have a great weekend. I will be back on Monday with a new guest. We will actually even hit the midway point of this movie. So until Monday, I'll have what she's having. I'll have what she's having. Gave me a thrill with all your faults. I love you still. It had to be you. Wonderful you had to be you